Hello, welcome back to the Supercoach Champions podcast. This is the round 19 late mail edition. You're here with Catfish as always. And look, straight up, I'm a little bit crook. So sorry if I sound a bit ugly. Uh, I'll try not to, you know, sneeze all over the mic and whatever. But yeah, uh, fingers crossed I can get over this cold real quick. But as always, uh, here to bring you Wacko's Whispers. Thank you to Wacko as always for allowing us to use his work. And I'll also tackle your Twitter questions brought to you by Kyle McGrath Accounting. So without further ado, let's jump straight into it. You've got mail, baby, yeah. All right, Wacko's Whispers for round 19, starting off with the Eels and the Raiders. So the Eels, they look set to be 1-17, but Clint Gutherson is in some doubt due to a rib injury. Hayes Dunster is on standby if Clint is a late withdrawal. Junior Puller returns after being rested last week after Origin 3, while Jack Arthur continues at halfback for the injured Mitchell Moses. Blake Ferguson also returns after his surprise axing and also having been unavailable the last few weeks due to a calf injury. And Will Pedersini makes his NRL debut at right centre inside Blake Ferguson. Makatoa and Lussick were the two players admitted from the 19-man squad 24 hours before kickoff, and Dunster and Cartwright remain in the 19. On the Raiders' side, the only potential change to the 17 could be on the bench with outside back Matt Tomoko named, but Ryan James is a chance to replace him in the 17. The other changes, uh, as per named, uh, Matt Frawley in at 5'8 for Jack Whitehead, missing due to a rib injury, and Harley Smith-Shields comes onto the right wing to play his first NRL game of the season. They also still have Caleb Aikens, uh, as well as Ryan James, in the 19-man squad. For the Roosters and the Knights, the only Roosters player in doubt is Take Aho, who missed last week's game due to a hamstring injury, which, as we've discussed in the past, he's been managing since, like, round 12, something like that. Got to pass the final fitness test at the captain's run, and Fletcher Baker is on standby if Take Aho doesn't pass that test. Teddy obviously returns after his rested last week. Verrill's neck and Drew Hutchinson's knock are both expected to overcome minor bumps and bruises to play. Billy Smith has won the left centre position on form with Josh Morris dropped to the extended bench. Smith is also a chance to goal kick after Sam Walker had a pretty shocking week with the boot in round 18. On the Knights side, they uh, have lost David Kleber, who uh, has not progressed through the concussion protocols. He's been ruled out officially. Caleb Ponga was at captain's run, so he's expected to play. And uh, Tex Hoy was on standby for Ponga. He probably still is on standby in case anything does happen. And Jack Johns has come to the bench for Kleber as he's ruled out. Daniel Saifidi missed Origin 3 due to a rib injury and is expected to play this week. Jacob Saifidi did suffer an ankle injury next week and is in some doubt. And Suazo Su returns after missing the last few games due to a hamstring injury. For the Cowboys at the Storm, obviously, they copped a big blur on Thursday with the hammer being ruled out due to an emergency appendectomy surgery. And at this stage, unless they get an exemption to bring a player in from outside the top 21 squad that's been named, we'll see uh, Drinkwater move back to fullback and Dejan Arzi coming back onto the left edge to partner Dearden at the halves. Cohen Hess is currently in the HIA protocols and he'll need to get clearance to play. And if he's ruled out, Lachlan Burr will come onto the bench. Connolly Lamulu passed the game to HIA and Kyle Felt was limping, but both are still expected to play. On the Storm side, the Storm did have Jerome Hughes and Josh Adakar, calf and back respectively, in some doubt. They will both need to prove their fitness by taking part in the captain's run on Friday to play. If both are ruled out, then Nico Hines will move into the halves to partner Cooper Jones, with Ryan Pappenhausen returning at fullback. 
and either Isaac Lube Lube or Marion Seve coming onto the left wing to replace Addo Carr. Christian Walsh also returns after being rested last week after Origin 3. And if Pappenhauser ends up starting, either Trent Loyero or Jordan Grant would come onto the bench in his place. Onto the first game on Saturday, the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. The Rabbitohs do have Campbell Graham in doubt as he's currently going through the NRL concussion protocols. He did fail his game day HIA last week. If Graham is ruled out, then Ben Burns will come in at right centre. Jacob Host has been cleared to play after a head knock with Leon Knight last week. And Cody Walker, knock, Adam Reynolds, knock, Jai Arrow, COVID, restriction, bubble, breach, whatever you want to call it, and Latrell Mitchell, rested, are all set to play. On the Warriors' side, they might have one late change with Chad Townsend still struggling with his shoulder injury. He didn't return last week, but the shoulder wasn't 100%, and he'll need to pass a fitness test to play. And either way, he'll probably need to get needled up. If Townsend is ruled out, Shorter Sullivan will come into the partner, Cody Nicarima, in the halves. For the next game, the Seagulls and the Tigers. The Seagulls obviously welcome back Origin stars Tom Travojevic and Daly Cherry Evans after both were rested on the weekend following Origin 3. They also get back Jake Travojevic, who's recovered from his hip injury, and Josh Alloway, who's been out for a long time with a wrist issue. Both these guys have been named to return from injury, but they're still going to tick off their final you know, bits and pieces, including uh, final fitness test at the captain's run. Toff simply started a prop last week ahead of Taniela Paseca. There could still be another forward reshuffle with Sean Kepi, another option to start at prop this week. On the Tigers' side, they do have Moses Bayard Doubt after he suffered an ankle injury against the Broncos last week. Uh, Jake Simpkin is expected to come onto the bench if Bayard is ruled out. Alex Twall failed a game to HIA and is in the NRL concussion protocols, and he'll need to get clearance to play. Alex Seafarth will come onto the bench if Twall is ruled out. Lucy Leilua, Nock, and Dane Laurie pass game their HIA, but both be right to go after trading with the squad this week. Onto the Panthers and the Broncos. The Panthers obviously receive a massive boost this week with the return of Jerome Luai, who's overcome his knee injury. Otherwise, the Panthers are set to be 1 17. James Fisher Harris is set to overcome a neck issue to play his last game for the three weeks. That's because after this game, he's going back to Sydney to be present for the birth of his baby. And then afterwards, he'll need to spend 14 days in quarantine before being allowed to return to the Panthers' bubble. On the Broncos' side, they have T.C. Rabani in doubt after he suffered a cork fly last week, which forced him to the field quite early. Uh, Rabani will need to pass a final fitness test to play, but is at this stage is expected to be ruled out. Uh, this will see Ethan Bullimore come into the bench, while Jesse Arthurs could replace Corey Pax on the bench to provide cover for Tony Staggs as he continues his return from an ACL injury. Jake Turpin, HIA, and John Ricky Shoulder are both expected to uh, be ready to play. Onto the Sunday games, the Dragons and the Titans. The Dragons have shuffled things up, and there's a bit of a new look pack. Dufty's back from suspension. Cody Ramsey and Gerard Bill move into the centres. Jordan Pereira and Matt Fearguy come onto the wings. Jaden Sullivan also replaces the suspended Corey Norman, and Jack Bird moves back to the back row. Josh McGuire replaces Jackson Ford at lock, and Josh Kerr has been named to start in the front row with Jack Develop bench. On the Titans side, they might have one minor change to the 17, with Tyron PG set to start at lock. Tito Fasua Malawi pushing up top, and Mo Fodawaker returning to the bench. Brimson, Fasua Malawi, and Fodawaker did trade with the squad earlier in the week, but the Titans say all three will play. They also have Ash Taylor in some doubt as he recovers from a heavy knock last Friday. Tata Boyd is on standby, should Taylor be ruled out? Toby Sexton is confirmed to make his NRL debut, and he'll play on the right edge. Finally, the Bulldogs and the Sharks. The Bulldogs expect one change with Matt Dury possibly coming onto the bench over Joe Stimson. 
Josh Jackson also returns to his preferred right edge position, with Corey Waddell switching to his left edge. Nick Meany, Nock, and Lockley Lewis Ribs are both expected to play. And for the Sharks, they look set to be 117, with Royce Hunt named on the bench to play his first NRL game of the season after finally recovering from knee surgery. He's been training with the squad the last few weeks after returning to full contact, and only just has to get through the captain's round on Saturday to confirm to play. And that's Wacko's Whispers for another week. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Alright, your Twitter questions, as we said before, they're brought to you by Carl McGrath Accounting. Tax time has begun. Get Carl to do your tax return and he'll legally maximise your tax refund. No job is too big or too small. As we've said in the past, because Carl is running a small business, you'll speak directly to the owner, who will be the one doing your work. No work is done overseas or by junior staff. It's all managed by him. No matter where you are in Australia, he can help you out using FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. He can help anyone no matter where they are. He can help you with things such as maximizing COVID work from home deductions, rental properties or capital gains from sale of a property, shares or even cryptocurrency trading. For listeners of the Supercoach Champions podcast, Carl has a special offer, just $99 for a basic tax return. Even if your return is more complicated, Carl promises us that he'll look after you with price. Search for Carl McGrath Accounting on Facebook and at Carl M Accountant on Twitter. Don't just take my word for it though, we've had other listeners in the past uh, give us feedback from when they gave Carl a chance and they were blown away by Carl's service. So yeah, check it out, Carl McGrath Accounting or at Carl M Accountant on Twitter. Anyway, straight into your questions. So we'll start with an easy one here. Coming from Brendan Fenton at Defense, one of our champs. He asks, am I better off selling Tohu and Mule before AJ? Doesn't generate as much cash, but given AJ's ceiling, I feel he could be a decent hold. Yeah, look, given Tohu season-ending injury, Mule relegates the bench and obviously could lose cash soon. I'd definitely sell both those guys before AJ. As you say, once he's back, he's obviously playable and usable as an option for the rest of the season, whereas the other two... Possibly, or in Tohu's case, definitely not, and build and highly likely not given the current situation. So, yeah, sell those guys first. Next question comes in from Ben Witt at St. Witt underscore 13. Good day, Catfish. Love your work. Thank you. Billy Smith or Mazu need a cheap set of wing. This one's tough because I think with Billy Smith, the ceiling's higher and the chance that he is actually got the spot for the rest of the season, it's not locked in, but it's looking promising. And especially if he gets the goal kicking, then he becomes really, really interesting to me. Uh, having said that, Mazu, you know, he's obviously got the spot back, but it could just be for whilst Sammy's injured. And yeah, so there's a bit of risk on both sides with Mazu in particular. So Phil Sammy right now is listed as round 21 to round 23, whereas I guess Billy Smith kind of holds that spot unless he stuffs up and gives Josh Morris that spot back. So I kind of feel it might be less risky to go with Billy Smith, but it's honestly a gut call. I like both options for different reasons, but I think Billy Smith might have the highest ceiling, so I might lead that way. I mean, this might be team-specific. If you've got a lot of other roosters in the team, then maybe don't go too overboard with too many roosters like me, and I might lead towards getting Mazu if that's the case. But yeah. Next question comes in from Jeff Potts at Potsy142. What do you think of Schuster to Dwayhe? Look, this is really hard because I I really like Adam Dwayhe because, you know, I got him in last week and I, I talked about how well he's gone and, look, he came out and smashed at 154. Sure, it was against the Broncos, so you probably don't expect many other big scores like that, but 
even with that, that he was already looking at like a 75, 80 average in all his games played at 5 eighth, and the Tigers do have that kind draw to finish. Schuster has a great draw as well. I kind of feel there's less certainty about Schuster's role moving forward, whether he's going to keep that 80-minute edge spot, whether he's going to you know, end up getting to play 5 eighth, which is actually his natural position. Uh, there's a few question marks there. Probably the other consideration I have there is what's your trade numbers like? Like if you're low and just it's hard to justify trading out fit players, especially when the trade is, I wouldn't call it sideways necessarily, but you're not getting, unless you're expecting Dwayne to average, you know, 20, 30 points more than Schuster is, like you're not getting a huge benefit. Like they could end up being that they average within five, 10 points of each other. And you kind of think, well, all right, there's you know, there's a certain number of rounds to go. It might be worth an extra 70, 80 points by the end of the season, but is that worth the cost of a trade? I don't know. But if you think he's going to be significantly better and that trade ends up paying off in the, in the realms of 150 to 200 points, then that might be more worthwhile. But, yeah, that's how I kind of look at it. Uh, for me, for example, I've got three trades. There's no way I'm making that trade from Schuster to Duehi if that was my situation. All right, next question comes in from Wall G at Gasikas. With so few trades, surely trading in hookers in front rows is a bit of a luxury. I mean, you know, we, we kind of, that was the point of the episode this week earlier. We kind of broke down the difference between, you know, the, the top positions, the top scoring options in each of those spots and the gap to the alternative options or the, the lesser owned options and where, where you might want to pot up. And I think what we saw from hookers and front rowers in particular the gap's not that big outside of Isaiah Papali'i. Even Reid Marley, even, you know, Brandon Smith, sure, they are averaging, you know, 70, 75, whatever, and the other guys around them are actually a bit lower. But like I said with the other example there, unless they're averaging, you know, 15, 20, 25 points more, trading from one to the other might not be worth that extra trade because if, let's say, you know, you go from a Dred Braley to a Reed Marty. If Braley averages 60 and Reed Marty averages 75 for the rest of the season, you know, how many points are you actually getting as a bonus from that? Uh, for an overall player, it's probably not worthwhile. For a head-to-head player, like, does it really cancel out, you know, a pod from the other opponent? Or, yeah, that's the way I'd kind of look at it. To me, you know, I'd want to make sure any trades I'm making at this point, I'm seeing at least 150 to 200 point increases. Uh, if not more, if possible. I guess the reason I'm thinking that way still is that if, let's say, even if Tommy Turbo makes it to the end and he rests in the final round or two or whatever, or he gets injured right towards the end, misses the last two weeks of the regular season, then I need that trade because I want to be able to go from Turbo to someone who's got that 150-plus ceiling. Let's say Pappenhausen does play rounds 24-25 and Turbo gets hurt in round 23 and he doesn't play the last two rounds. Like, if I ran out of trades, I can't do turbo to Paps and Paps goes 150, 150. That's 300 points like that, just gone, let alone the potential that you would have captained him in those games as well. So that's the reason I'm still valuing trades so highly and I'm not wanting to make those, you know, slightly sideways, slightly, you know, minor improvements uh, to my score trades like that, unless I'm feeling like, you know, they, they are going to be significantly, you know, 20, 30 points better per week because they're on, they're on fire or whatever it is. So I guess that's how I'm still looking at it. All right, next question comes from at Rob underscore McAndrew. Teddy is the second fullback with Turbo. What do you think? Look, I think Teddy's going to be more than fine. If, you're, if you've if you got that combo, then 
I'm happy if you want to stick with it. Personally, I still think Pappenhausen has the highest ceiling uh, just because of what we've seen. If he's going to play fullback 80 minutes, goal-kicking back as as you'd expect, then he's got that same ceiling as Turbo. And right now, I don't think Teddy does. Just the way the Roosters are going, like, I just don't see Teddy being able to smash out those scores that Turbo is hitting consistently. Teddy's been fine all year, and this is where it comes down to, like, is it worth going burning one trade to go from Teddy to Paps or Pongo or whatever, like you really want to make sure that trade's going to be worthwhile. And if Teddy still averages 80, 85, then like, is it really worth it? Unless you're trading to Pappenhaus and expecting him to average 120, which he can, like he's done it for five, six rounds already. But you know what I mean? Like that's, that's why I'd be valuing that trade. But if you think Teddy's going to drop back and he only averages 75, then yeah, it's probably worth going from Teddy to Paps or whatever. So yeah, I, I know it's tough. It's just at the end of the day, it's a gut call. Gut call on how well do you think Teddy goes and then who you'd replace him with if you are trading him out. But yeah, for in a vacuum, I think, look, it's fine. Like Teddy's going to go good. He just won't quite go as good as the other guys. And that's genuinely how I feel anyway. All right, next question comes in from Blake at Adam D Numbers. Nine trades, Wilfred. That's pretty handy there, nine trades. Jake Granville is in a nightmare with Hughes, potentially not playing this week. Sitting at 439th overall. Congrats on the ranking. He's got Johnston injured for a few weeks, I guess. Campbell Granville scoring points. What to do? Think I'll sell AJ for Adam Carr. Blower trade enough out Granville. Thoughts? Yeah, look, with nine trades, I think you can afford to ditch those a nightmares like Granville. Like, why do you have Granville? It's a question I want to ask, but let's not go into that. Um, Adokar, like per Wacker's Whispers, in some doubt. So there's a little bit of question mark there. I don't mind it though. You've got enough trades to sell AJ and get it back later if you feel like it. Adokar is perfectly fine as a bit of a flyer given how well the Storm are going. And, you know, I don't like to read too much of these narratives, but Adokar sitting second on the top try scorers list for 2021 he's not that many tries away I think six tries back from AJ so if AJ's out for a couple of weeks Adokar can catch him in two three weeks himself so that might factor into some of the thinking like if the Storm are running up a score they might just keep going left because they feel like it because they feel like let's get our guy to be the top try scorer for the season as opposed to you know letting AJ take that title so I don't know it could just be their send-off their uh, last present for a, for for Adokar before he uh, stopped scoring so many tries at the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, I hope that helps. But yeah, I think for me, I would definitely happily sell AJ for Adokar if he's the guy you think is going to go well. Uh, bouncing on from that, so we've got Caleb Daniel Felton at Caleb Daniel Fell 1. What are your thoughts on trading AJ to Matt Ikevalu? Look, I don't mind it. I've got Ikevalu in my team. I don't trust the Roosters as much as the Rabbitohs in terms of their attack, but Ikevalu's got a great work rate. Uh, not as good as Tupo, but he's not too far behind. The risk of him getting dropped is still there, but it's lower. Like, Josh Morris, I don't think he's going to replace Ikevalu. He's not really a winger, uh, whereas, you know, he's he's an out-and-out out setter from what I've seen, and it's been a long time since I've seen Josh Morris play on the wing except out of necessity due to like mid-game injury or whatever. So I guess Ikevalu's spot should be pretty safe. Uh, 
yeah, it just depends down to whether you think he's going to go well. I mean, he's not going to go 120 every week, but I jumped on ages ago thinking, you know, the Roosters are going to use their wingers. And yeah, uh, I've got both wingers and I, I just, I'm really hoping the Roosters go well, basically. So yeah, look, I don't hate it. It just depends how, how confident you are on Ikevala yourself. Uh, next question comes in from at Jack Brett, head-to-head player, finals, seven trades left, Bradley Tabani not worth it with Eels draw. So for me, if you got seven trades left, I'd be holding that. Like I don't see Bradley Tabani as that big of an upgrade. If you're locked in to play finals, then like I don't think the the difference between Bradley and Marty's score is going to you know, kill you, basically. I'd happily just sit with Braley and then, you know, once you're at the finals, you've got four trades or whatever, that's what I'd happily swap if you need to match up with your opponent because that's probably more important for me. And, you know, like, if you lose a game or two because you didn't have Marty and you had Braley instead, like, I just think, you know, you'll play finals anyway. I'd rather the trades in the last two weeks rather than, you know, burning it now, so... I guess that's where I'm, where I'm at in that question. Uh, next question comes in from Matthew Wong at Kalata Pino. Top 150 with five trades and 110 in the bank. Uh, congrats, firstly. Uh, so the situation is he's got props with Isaiah Papali'i, Fisher-Harris, Stefano and Pangai. And then he's got no flex in the second row besides Tane Milne. And he's given up on SJ, so leading to Duehi. So with the prop question marks, I think Haas, but 10 thousand dollars short of Torhu and SJ to Haas and Duehi. So options he's got AJ slash SJ. So trading out those guys I guess to afford that. Passing on Haas. And he can also look at Walker instead of Duehi. Is that Sam Walker? It must be. So thoughts. Uh look, I do like Duehi more than Sam Walker, I think, especially if Sam's gonna lose the kicking to Billy Smith. I think you know, I, I'm a big fan of Haas always, and I think Haas will outscore Fisher-Harris and Pangai. I guess in terms of the question marks there, like you've got five trades, so I don't think you've got p- trades to burn. And I'm wondering, like, is having Haas instead of a Fisher-Harris this week or a Pangai two weeks after or whatever, is it really worthwhile? Like, I guess that's kind of the issue there. Uh, you know, you could just go... SJ to Duehi and to sit on the other trade. And if you need it next week, you could still do it, right? Like that's one way in which I could look at doing that. But yeah, the only trade you have to make this week is the one for Duehi. So that's kind of where I'd look at it. I wouldn't really pull the trigger on both of those. And I don't think you really want to trade out AJ based on what you're describing. So yeah, I, I think you'd be perfectly fine to go SJ to Duehi and just sit on the other trade. Like I was saying before, I think, you know, you're better off holding uh, AJ there and you pass on Haas. Like, if Haas goes off, then, yeah, that'll hurt. But Haas going off might be an 80 average and that might be not that much better than, let's say, Fisher-Harris or Pangai end up scoring 60s for you instead. I guess just the possibility of, you know, needing one of those four trades left that you'd have after using one probably makes up for the points you might miss out on instead of having Haas over, you know, Fisher-Harris or Pangai or whatever. So I think that's how I'd look at it. And bouncing on from that, we've got Daniel O'Connell at SC Gods Be Nice. Who do I trade out for Dwayhe, SJ or Nikarima? Wanting Dwayhe for the run home, but keep chopping and changing who I'd sell. Look, I guess for me, I am very uncomfortable with the fact that Nikarima was benched last week. RTS is out this week. If he's back next week, does that mean they're going to try 
you know, the same setup with RTS slash Walsh between one and six and then Townsend at seven. So does Nick Rooney go back to the bench? I don't know. <laughs> to me, I probably see more question marks over Nick Arima than SJ. And for that reason, I'd probably sell him first. But it's a tough one. If Nick Arima holds his spot and gets to kicking back, for example, then, you know, he'd be better than SJ because SJ isn't kicking either. But I, I just see more question marks on the Nick Arima side. So, yeah. Uh, next question is from Peter McDermott at Seagull Pete. Looking at getting Fafita, AJ to Fafita, which enables SJ to Hughes, or Harris to Fafita and Kakao to Radley to fund that would leave me with five trades. So this is hard because I hate trading outfit players, but I can see a rationale in, you know, exploring some of those other options. Really not a fan of the Kakao to Radley trade, but getting Harris to Fafita would be the ideal outcome here. I'm wondering, is it worthwhile just going AJ to Fafita? And you don't have to do SJ to Hughes unless you really want to, but then you've got the option of later on, you can go Torhu Harris back to AJ if you want or whatever else. I think that's the way I'd probably consider it rather than, yeah, going forcing the Torhu to Fafita this week, if that makes sense. You're still trading out of uh, uh, an injured player, so you're not losing an active player, but it's someone who, you know, you could get back later using another injured player down the track. So I think that's how I'd focus on it. I'm staying away as much as possible from trading out fit guys for, uh, you know, other fit guys, basically. <laughs> All right, next question comes in from Deep Longstop. Uh, six trades left. AJ slash Burton to Haas and Adam Dwayhe. Not pleased to sell AJ, but stacked and center wing. It is my only path. Also, I don't think Burton is worth holding. Look, to me, I don't think I'd have an issue holding Burton for at least one more week. He's played the Broncos, so yeah, could easily go big again. I, look, I'm i very comfortable selling AJ, but I'm saying that as a non-owner who's missed out on all these points already. But to me, like it's it's the reoccurrence that like I, I hate heavy injuries. They, they scare me, basically. So I would happily trade him out. If he's back in two weeks, I don't even know if I feel, feel comfortable playing him straight week, that first week back because... You know, as per the the podcast um, earlier uh, this week, I think the injury reoccurrence rate for the first one or two weeks is 10 to 30%. So 30% is so high for hamstrings. So yeah, to me, I'd, I'd be nervous playing him those first few weeks, uh, even if he's going to score plenty of tries. So yeah, I think that's how I'd approach it. It's a tough one for sure, but you know, after this week, the matchup for the Panthers isn't as good. I certainly, you know, the only reason I'd be holding Burton is because of the Broncos matchup. And if he's not in your long-term plans, I'm perfectly fine with selling him, especially for Dwayne. And I could certainly see Burton outscoring Dwayne this week. But moving forward, probably you'd much lean towards uh, Dwayne outscoring Burton for the rest of the season. Next question comes in from at the underscore Scarfy. Six trades left. Thoughts on Torhu to Jazz and SJ to Dwayhe. Look, Jazz is a tough one because I know he's great value and that's that's always good. And It'd be a great trade earlier in the season. I just don't know if value is what you need at the moment. It's about premium points. Jazz, as a hooker, he's never been as good. Like The, the points are much better for him when he plays lock. Whether it gets, It's because he can run the ball and build up some steam and bust some tackles as a result and get the offload away. Whereas at hooker, like he's just making tackles mostly and he takes the odd run, but he doesn't quite have that you know, same um, 
same tackle busting ability, I guess you could say. And there's a question mark over his minutes, especially like if you watched for a week and see how Jazz goes scoring wise, I don't mind it. But yeah, I would. I prefer not to take the gamble on Jazz straight up. But I can see here you probably need to do it in order to free up some cash to be able to go SJ to Dwayne. Is my guess. Uh, if not, and if you could make the one trade to go from SJ to Dwayne, I'd probably do that and just sit tight on what for one week on the Jazz trade. Next question comes in from at Mark Numbers. He's got six trades left. 20k in the bank. Could do either Torhu to Murray or Torhu to Olokuatu, which frees up enough money to go Luke Thompson to Haas. Look, I'd probably just go Torhu to Murray. I don't think, like, as much as Haas is an upgrade over Thompson, I just don't think it's worth the trade as well as sacrificing on getting Murray. I I see Murray as doing better than Olokuatu just because of the the... There's less question marks, basically, over him. And, yeah, I, I do have... As much as I like Olokuatu as a pod, I just think there's a lot more question marks over his role because of the fact that uh, the, the Seagulls, you know, they've still got guys to come back, and that's always a bit of a concern there. I don't know how I made a joke about Curtis Sirenen not being around, but he has been there. He's been training. He's in a lot of the gym shots with his teammates and stuff like that. Had a few people have a crack at me about that, but it was meant to be a joke, okay? <laughs> Not a very good one, clearly. But yeah, I think I'll just, you know, one train, talk to the Murray, leave it at that. Next question comes in from Chris Holdsworth at Chris Numbers. I want Ponga. Do I trade Hines, AJ, or Manu? Leading Manu, but worried about the other two with injury and security. And Manu is safe, but lower ceiling in the center wing. See, my issue here is Hines, I think could potentially be a trade-out next week because you'd assume he's either going back to the bench or he's going to play some role that's not fullback. If Pappenhausen is good to go this week and everything goes well, then I'd be preparing to trade Hines out, basically, and banking a lot of cash and being able to downgrade. And Pong is going to lose cash this week, and there's a good chance that Pong is going to be a fair bit cheaper next week because of the low score and the rolling average. So... I guess the way I see it is you've got a guy you pretty much have to trade out, otherwise you're just losing all the value or he might be a bit of a nightmare because he's coming off the bench and playing 20, 30 minutes in the middle or whatever. Or you've got a guy who's injured and has you know a risk of re-injury in the future. Or you get a guy who, you know whenever he plays fullback because Teddy's out, he's a gun. Even at centre, he's a serviceable you know six centre wing or something like that. So... As much as Manu out probably makes your team, like your final team, look better, uh, I'd be wondering, you know, is it worth holding AJ if you're going to need to trade Hines? Or, yeah, I don't know if that helps at all. If not, then feel free to tweet me or send me your team and I can have a look and see if that helps uh, clarify my thoughts on your question there. Uh, next question comes in from Paul Jeffrey at MySpace Legend. Can't decide what to do with my downgrade set of week to accommodate Turbo. Ramden Best slash Zach Lomax are two I want. I can wait a week or two for them to play. But is that too risky? And should I just go with someone like Mazu? So uh, I don't know if you, if you follow me on Twitter. So I tweeted out something uh, that I saw from Barry Tui, who's the Knights guy, basically. And he's confirmed, uh, as far as he's aware anyway, Bradman Best is due to play next week. So I kind of don't mind. If you, want, if you like those guys, and you, in particular, like I, I think I would lead Best um, of those two. I don't mind it, like knowing that Bradman Best is probably back next week and should be playing from then on. Uh, yeah, if you're not playing any of these guys anyway, like even if you brought in Mazu and you're not playing him this week, then you might as well just go Best and 
just hope obviously he stays uh, injury-free for the next week from trading and stuff like that. That's the only risk is if he does get hurt, then it's going to really suck, basically. But at this stage, he's recovered from his injury, expected to play according to the Knights' journal. So, yeah, I hope that helps. Next question comes in from uh, Murder Mayhem and LongDogs.com. That's an interesting handle there. At Murder Mayhem and one. Wilfred, really enjoyed the podcast. Thanks. I have four trades left. He currently ranked 928th. Congrats on the rank. Was saving trades for Grant perhaps clearly at enough, but now thinking Grant is not essential and not keen on Barney, so Torhu to Mazu to create money for Cleary and set a week back up when Hines goes. Oh, and a follow-up tweet, and also Ponga instead of Paps. That will leave one trade for emergencies. So, look, I don't disagree necessarily with what you're saying about Grant or, or Marnie or whatever. Someone at Hooker being essential. So Torhu Harris needs to go because he's injured for the season, looking to go down to Mazu instead, whereas you previously had Grant or... Yeah, Grant penciled in there. So that's the one change in that trade there. And then that frees up money for Cleary and then a center wing back up when Hines goes. So I guess my question is, all right, I think I follow. So Hines, when he goes, Hines becomes Paps or maybe Ponga. And then that will leave one trade for emergencies. Okay, I'm with you now. So I think for me, I still think Pappenhausen has a higher ceiling than Ponga. The risk for me for Paps is the injury. Like, if he gets knocked out again, I think that's the season done for him. Whereas Ponga, he, you really rely on the draw because with without the goal kicking, I think it just limits his ceiling there. So that's my concern specifically. But yeah, honestly, gut call whether you like Ponga over Paps or not. I mean, for the record, uh, I'm in team Paps, but I've been there all year, so <laughs> that's not really saying much. Uh, yeah, so good luck with that call. Last question comes in from at Mitch underscore Phillips. Four trades left, ranked 2,000th. Uh, congrats. Want to make top 1,000. Can either use two trades to Tohu to Fafita or one trade and go straight to Olokowatu. Other key targets are Gutha and Apollo next week, so they need to decide how crucial that extra trade is to hold on to. Look, I am still in the camp where Fafita is worth that extra trade as much as I think it'd be great to save that extra trade, like, you know, Olokowato's been killing it for the last five rounds. He's got a five-round average of just under 80, but that's the thing. He's been killing it, and he's got a five-round average of just under 80. Fafid has been disappointing the last two weeks, and he's still got an average of 75. So, you know, even across this period of being managed over Origin, he's got a four-round average of 70. That includes a 34-minute game, a 49-minute game, and obviously last week's 58-minute game. So... I expect Fafita to be back to 80 minutes sooner rather than later. And once that's the case, I mean, you've got a guy here who averaged 126 for like three, four rounds. So, yeah, I just don't think I could be without that guy, especially when the Titans are still in the hunt technically for the top eight and still can play finals. And Fafita's going to have to pull his finger out and do something if that's going to be the case. So, yeah, I think the extra trade is worthwhile for that particular reason, I just guess, you know, can you still use that trade on someone who is playable with your other trade? So not not sure about that one. And that brings us to the end of questions for this week. Thank you again for submitting them and hopefully I've been able to help. If not, uh, you can at me at CatfishSC and I'll try to help out further. And I guess final word, just in relation to my team, I, yeah, like I said in the podcast, I'm currently sitting on just sitting on Tohu Harris for a week and not trading to anybody else. I... You know, I've got a bit of depth. I'm already sitting in another two, three guys, depending on whether Pappenhausen plays from 
for me this week or not. And, you know, I might have SJ still out of my seven tier, Siona Katoa, Joey Manu all sitting there. So, yeah, I don't really need to make the trade to be able to field a competitive 17 this week. So that's kind of me. As for my captaincy or whatever, I think I'll probably vice-captain Ikevalu or Tupo and Captain Trevojevic so I can get that out of the way uh, nice and early. So, yeah, look, good luck to everyone and we'll catch you again next week. Yeah.